In this episode of Escaping the Rabbit Hole, I talk about the five types of questions you can use when talking to a conspiracy theorist to help them to begin shifting their beliefs. Can you guess what one of these five questions is? Welcome to Escaping the Rabbit Hole, hosted by former conspiracy theorist Antonio Perez, author of Converting Conspiracy Theorists. Antonio looks at conspiracy theories from multiple angles, such as how do conspiracy theorists impact their family and friends? How can they escape the grip of conspiracy theories? And why do they fall down the rabbit hole in the first place? You'll discover strategies to set clear boundaries with people stuck in dangerous conspiracy theories and improve your mental well-being. Here's your host, Antonio Perez. Hi, it's Antonio with EscapingTheRabbitHole.com. This is going to be a fairly short episode. I just want to talk about a video I came across called How to Talk to Conspiracy Theorists by David Pakman, a political commentator. In the video, he talks about, I'm going to have it, link, I'm going to have it linked in this uh, this podcast. If you're not listening to this onto my website, go to escapingtherabbithole.com. Go to the button, I think it says uh, podcast episodes, and you'll see a podcast labeled how to talk to conspiracy theorists. When you go in there, I'll have a link to his actual video. In the video, he talks about Socratic questioning to help a to help a conspiracy theorist kind of shift their beliefs. And with Socratic questioning, what you're doing is you're you're not so much challenging the person's belief, you're helping them to understand how they came to believe what they believe. It's a lot of like, you know, like um I'm trying to think the the questions is like how, what, when, why. Who? How did you come to believe what you believe? When did you start believing this? When you ask somebody, when did you start believing X? It almost makes them, it almost implies that they didn't always believe that. It's kind of like a hidden implication where it kind of helps them to understand that. Uh, Another really good resource I always uh, mention is How to Have Impossible Conversations by Peter Bogassian. In that book, Peter Bogassian talks about his... um, his Socratic style questioning. He's got a full methodology that he coined street epistemology. What I know epistemology is, it's basically the theory of knowledge and street epistemology is, I guess like is it's a way to help people to understand that their knowledge, how they got to believe what they believe. One of my, one of my favorite questions he has in his book is a scaling question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in the belief of X? On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in the belief that the 2020 election was stolen? Depending where somebody is on that, it'll give you kind of their baseline where they're operating from. Uh, Let's say if they say like a, a 7, for example. I think a lot of people think like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna ask me why didn't I go choose a higher number. Instead, you're going to kind of throw a curveball. You're going to ask them, why didn't you choose a lower number like a six or a five? And then they have to kind of dig in and give you an answer of why not. That could be one way to help um, slowly start moving the needle. Now, with this being said, he mentions in this book that as long as somebody's willing to have a conversation with you, that's great. If they're not willing to have a conversation, it's pointless to even try. And in the video, uh, David Pakman talks about they had, I think, a focus group of uh, 12 uh, Trumpers. And I think only 
out of that group of 12, only one person was willing to rethink their positions. So even though this is like a really strong methodology, it's not 100% guaranteed. I think one of the biggest things to do is to, if you if you want to talk to a conspiracy theorist, well, well a couple things to know is conspiracy theorists aren't stupid. I'm a former conspiracy theorist. I'm highly intelligent. Um, a lot of conspiracy theorists, there's people fall into conspiracy theories because of an emotional need. They people are radicalized into conspiracy theories not through logic but rather through emotions. And then I think logic comes after. Now, if you think about, uh, if you know anything about sales, with a salesperson, a good salesperson, they sell on emotion and they follow up with logic. When you you sell with emotion, you want to be able to follow up with a little bit of logic so later you don't get buyer's remorse. In the same case with conspiracy theories, you want to get somebody riled up with emotions get them all riled up, maybe get them all riled up about the, um, about immigration, for example, just talking about all these people coming over, taking their jobs, um, the bringing diseases, et cetera, get them all riled up. And then you want to follow up with a little bit of logic. I'm trying to see if I can come up with some logic on the fly. Um, I guess some of the logic on the fly after you get them all riled up and then you can just tell them, you know, this is to, to keep your kids safe in the future. So that's a little bit of logic. Like, oh yeah, it's natural. I, I want to keep my kids safe in the future, for example. And it doesn't have to be, in my opinion, it doesn't have to be a a really strong piece of logic or evidence. It just ha- it doesn't have to be that strong. With belief, we are looking, once, once we kind of get that belief formed and we have that emotion behind that belief, any logic that comes up, we're going to, we're going to jump onto it. Think of, um, think of, think of it this way. Let's say you have a plant that's dying and maybe this isn't the best metaphor, but if you have a plant that's dying, any bit of liquid you give it, it's going to soak it up. You think of it like that with, um, with conspiracy theories. Think of the, the water as like the evidence or that logic it doesn't have to be that much. Any, any bit a person's going to, a conspiracy theorist is going to just completely soak it up. So, the obvious things, or maybe not so obvious, is conspiracy theorists aren't stupid. And in my uh, first book, Converting Conspiracy Theorists, you can it's, you can get it on Amazon. In Converting Conspiracy Theorists, I actually talk about something called the FAME model. F-A-M-E. This stands for, F is for feeling powerless. Um, a lot of conspiracy theorists, they feel powerless. At the same time, they want to be the hero that saves everybody. They want to, it really tar- ties into like narcissistic tendencies. P- people with narcissistic, narcissistic tendencies, there's a lot of correlation between people that have narcissistic tendencies and a belief in conspiracy theories. A in the fame model is apophenia. Apophenia is the, you know, the connecting the dots. If you look at somebody like Alex Jones, when, when people are in the process of trying to connect the dots, one thing Alex Jones is notorious for for years, he was telling people like, "Oh, we got to fight against the globalists, fight against fight against these people." And when people ask like, "When, when like, okay, when is it? When are we going to do this?" He has this, um, this kind of this thing where he'll tell people, "I'll let you know when." 
I'll let you know when the time when it's time. And then he'll give you something else, some other bread uh, breadcrumb to kind of follow to chase down. So you're jumping all over the place. M is misinformation. Misinformation is everywhere. And then E is external locus of control. The locus of control, if you're not familiar with it, it's a psychological concept that states like where are you placing your control or better way of saying it is um external locus of uh, power. Are you, where are you put, placing your power? Is that on the outside or do you think the world is conspiring against you? Are you just, do you feel like you're just an unlucky person or is your control? Are you in your, in the seat of your own power? An easy metaphor is who is driving the car? Are you driving? Or are you a passenger in life? So for a really quick recap, things to keep in mind that conspiracy theorists aren't stupid. They were radicalized by emotion. Every one of us operates on emotion. And if you're one of those people that think like, oh no, I'm extremely logical. Emotions don't come up into play. Bullshit. Every, every behavior, in my opinion, there's a, an emotional reason behind it. Even though if you're not aware of it, think of it like, uh, like we think of our behaviors, like there's internal parts of us that control it. It's not a real part. It's a metaphorical part. These behaviors, these, these parts are trying to do something for us. Maybe it's trying to keep us safe. Maybe it's trying to have us feel peaceful, feel validated in the world. It doesn't matter. There's emotion behind everything. So first and foremost, know that conspiracy theorists aren't stupid. We all operate off logic, some more so than others. And then uh, we've got the fame model that I just covered that really keeps people trapped in conspiracy theories. One of the things you can do if you do have a family member to, to be able to talk to them is to realize that we all have what's known as our map of the world. My map of the world, my reality is not the same as yours. And even though somebody doesn't have the same map, it doesn't mean you have to respect their, their, beliefs or their opinions just rather respect that they that they have a choice to believe what they believe one thing you can do is or something that would be really helpful is to talk to a therapist that could help you to become more emotionally flexible when you're trying to talk to a family member that's a a conspiracy theorist it believe me i it's it's really easy for people to get really, really heated and angry. So you're going to want to find some kind of way to be able to relax those emotions. A couple things in my um, first book, Converting Conspiracy Theorists, I think it's chapter eight. I give a couple of really good techniques to help you reduce, um, to become more emotionally flexible. In my second book, Coping with Coping with Conspiracy Theorists, it's more of a self-care guide for family members of conspiracy theorists. There's quite a few techniques in there to help you manage um, triggers. So let's say if there's a particular habit your loved one does and it just really triggers some kind of um, frustration, anxiety, anger, whatever. There's a couple of really good techniques to help you reduce those triggers and techniques to set up boundaries and whatnot. Uh, coping with conspiracy theorists should be out in the next month or so. And if you want another thing is we can jump on Zoom if you want to discover how I can help you to 
improve your mental your your mental health so you're not feeling so triggered by your loved one we can jump on zoom you can go to escapingtherabbithole.com forward slash call that's escapingtherabbithole.com forward slash c-a-l-l we can do a 20 minute no cost consultation call i can discuss how how i can help you now if you have any questions please feel free to let me know make sure to subscribe to the newsletter uh put your your name in your email you'll uh you'll either see like a, a link on this blog post where it uh says little known conversation hack forces angry conspiracy theorists to calm down and listen to you almost instantly uh it's an ebook that will give out a um, couple tips on how to kind of how to calm your loved one down so you can you can try to talk to you can at least start the conversation I look forward to hearing from you. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Aloha. Thanks for listening to Escaping the Rabbit Hole. To get instant access to the newest episodes of the podcast and the first three chapters of Antonio's newest book, go to www.escapingtherabbithole.com and enter your first name and best email and smash the button that says get the podcast.